man. Holy smokes. That was great. Uh, there was a man walking by a construction site, and he saw a man laying bricks, and he came up to him and said, what are you doing? And he looked at him and said, I'm laying bricks. What does it look like I'm doing? And so he ignored the rude comment, walked to another guy laying bricks, said, what are you doing? He said, I'm building a cathedral. Two men doing the same job. One guy, the only thing he could see was what, right, what was right in front of him. The other guy was able to see the ultimate goal. Now, here's my question for you. In your life, what do you, what do you see? You know, in the life of this church, what do you see? Do you just see the day-to-day task? Do you just see simply trying to make ends meet? Or do you see the ultimate goal of what God has in store for your life and for the life of this church? What do you see? Because I want you to know that God has more in store for you and for this church and for my life than just simply trying to make ends meet. You know what God has in store for us? He has a plan. God has a plan for your life. And you might say, well, how do you know that God has a plan for me? How do you know that He has a plan for the life of this church? And the Bible talks about the plans of God time and time again. In Jeremiah 29, 11, it says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. God has a plan for you. I know this church has been around for 200 years. I'm happy to say our church, we're, we're right behind y'all. We've been around for seven years. But I want you to know that even though you've been around for 200 years and we've been around for seven years, God has a plan in store for you. God has great days that he's looking forward to you achieving in the days ahead. I have no doubt that in the life of our church that God had made it a part of his plan for you to help us get started. I can't tell you what a blessing your church has been to our church. And I I feel bad that y'all can't be there and you can't see the things that God is doing because some people had some foresight years ago to help new churches start in the Columbia area. I just want y'all to see a couple of pictures up on the screen of what takes place in Northeast Columbia Village Church every Sunday. It's one of our children's rooms. See, we have great furniture. Uh, this, was, this was last Sunday, this in our church. Now, that has taken place over seven years. All those people, for my family and I, it's very exciting for us to see pictures like this. You know why? Because we remember the first couple of Sundays. Now, we remember whenever we first got together, and it was, it was me and Emily and our three children, and Emily's sitting there thinking, how are we going to eat? And I'm thinking, man, I never thought of that. And so, you know, I said, but, you know, here's the good thing. God had a plan. Thank God he had a plan. God had a plan for us. And I want you to know that God has a plan still for you to achieve and do great things in the life of Columbia. But for great things to happen, for great things to happen for us as individuals and as a church, we have to have God's plan. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to look at a passage of Scripture that you're very familiar with and see how important it is for, it is for us to have a plan to look forward into the future, to see what God's going to do. And in Proverbs 29, 18, a verse I'm sure you're familiar with, it says, Where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint, but blessed is he who keeps the law. Any of you have an idea of who wrote this passage of Scripture? It's King Solomon. Uh, King Solomon's considered one of the wise, considered one of the wisest men to have ever lived. 
Uh, and now I find that kind of ironic. Do you know how many wives and concubines King Saul, Solomon had? He had over a thousand. I'm not real sure about the wisdom part of that, but uh, he was a man who was considered wise. He was a man who had great wealth. He was a man who did all that he could in order to discover meaning and purpose in life. And he tried to find it through personal pleasure and personal fulfillment. But where did it lead him to? Well, he said in Ecclesiastes 1.4, I've seen all the things that are done under the sun, and all of them are meaningless. It's a chasing after the wind. So what is it in life? I mean, here's a guy that had everything, and he said it's all meaningless. What is it in life that brings meaning? You know, what, what brings us purpose and joy? At the end of this book, Solomon wrote in Ecclesiastes 12.1, You have to remember your Creator in the days of your youth. Why? Because God has a vision for us from the very beginning. God has a plan For your life and my life and for the life of this church and the church where I serve, He has a plan for us. And when we follow God's plans, there are great things that we get to see happen. A few things I just want to point out to you today. And I want to share with you first that whenever we follow God's plans for our lives, it brings life. One of the greatest things. Following God's plans brings life. And if you look again back in in verse number 18, it says, Where there is no revelation... The people cast off restraint, but blessed is he who keeps the law. Now, there's a word here that I want us to focus on. It says, where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint. The word revelation is in reference to a message that comes from God. Where there is no revelation from God, the people cast off restraint. Now, now what does that mean for us? Well, for our plans to be worthwhile... For us to achieve what God desires for us to achieve, the plans that we follow must be God-given. Now, I can have all the plans in the world. You can ask ask my wife and my family. I have great plans. But if they're not from God, they're not great plans. Let's say that you're not feeling well. And and you say, man, my son, I talk to you and you say, man, my stomach's really bothering me. I say, hey, listen, don't worry about it. I got a plan. I'm going to run to my house, I'm going to grab a little, little knife, and I'm going to come back, I'm going to cut that right out of you, you're going to be fine. Now, there's a couple of responses you can have to that. You can say, great, Eric has a plan. Or you can say, uh-oh, Eric has a plan. And then you could run away from that. Now, just because somebody has a plan does not mean that it's always good. You see, there are times whenever plans can destroy us. There are times whenever plans can hinder us and harm us. And that's why Solomon said in this one verse that a lack of God's planning in our life leads to a lack of meaning and satisfaction. A lack of God's planning in our life, it will ultimately lead us to a place where we will be destroyed. That's what happened to a guy named King Saul in the Old Testament. You might remember him. Saul was a man who was always seeking for something better for himself. And he he was getting ready to go into battle. He said, I need to consult God. But he hadn't talked to God in years. So he he began to try to talk to God. What he was looking for is he was looking for God to give him victory in battle. But for him to hear the voice of God, he had to be obedient and willing to listen to God. And yet because he didn't, he didn't hear God's voice. He didn't see God's plan come to fruition in his life. Whenever he talked to God, because he was not willing to be obedient, you know what God did? God was silent. 
He didn't speak to him. We're told in 1 Samuel 28, 6 through 7, he inquired of the Lord, but the Lord did not answer him by dreams or by Urim or prophets. God didn't respond. So what did Saul do? Well, Saul went out looking for answers elsewhere. He said, if I I can't find them from God, I'm going to get them from somewhere. And in verse number seven, he said, Saul then said to his attendants, find me a woman who is a medium so I may go and inquire of her. God wants to give us life. And I really believe that. I'm not good at always following this. But God wants the best for us. And yet it's in my nature... And you may not know this, but it's in your nature to rebel against God's leadership. And to not follow His guidance for our lives. So we miss out on life. As a matter of fact, we're told in Deuteronomy 30, 19 through 20, This day I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you, that I set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life. So interesting to me, you actually have to tell somebody, choose life instead of death. He says, choose life so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God. Listen to his voice and hold fast to him, for the Lord is your life. And he will give you many years in the land. He swore to give to your fathers Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. There's an article a few years ago in Parade Magazine. I'm sure you've heard of it. It's a very intellectual magazine. It used to come in the Sunday paper. And there was an article in there about Priscilla Presley. And they talked to her about her acting career, but of course, any time you talk to a Presley, you ultimately end up talking about who? Elvis. Uh, Elvis obviously was very successful. One of the uh, few men in the world who's just simply known by his first name. I'd like to say that is a goal of mine, uh, that one day I'll just be known by, by my first name. But Elvis was a, just an interesting person, tremendously popular, known as the king of rock and roll. But his wife said that Elvis felt like there was a, a greater calling in his life than just being an entertainer. He felt like God had called him into ministry. And yet he avoided that call. And she thinks that's part of the reason why he got involved in drugs. Now, those drugs for a while, she said, made him feel better. But ultimately, those drugs destroyed him. Now, that is an example of someone who tried to follow his own plan and where did it lead? At least to destruction. The God's plans for us and for this church is life. Jesus said why he came here in John 10, 10. He said, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. God's plan is laid out before us. He's called us as individuals and as a church to submit ourselves to his leadership. Now, that can be scary, putting yourself under somebody else's leadership. But with God, you can take heart knowing that he has your best plans, the best intentions in mind for you. Now, there's great things we follow God's plan. We follow God's plan, it brings life. Follow God's plan, this is one that I like a lot, is it brings direction. It brings direction. Verse number 18 says, where there's no revelation, the people cast off restraint, but blessed is he who keeps the law. Now, here's a big question people have, and that is, do I really need to be, you know, really follow God's law completely in order to receive his blessings? I mean, can I, can I live the way that I choose, the way that I want to, what makes me feel good, what is convenient for me? Isn't that okay for me to do that? And, and the answer to that question is, yes, you can do that. You can make your choice to live your life apart from the leadership of God. But whenever you take yourself or you take God out of the decision-making process in your life, you will end up settling in your life for what's convenient and not what is best. 
I've learned in my life that any time I ignore the voice of God, any time that I refuse to listen to God's direction for my life, I typically settle for the least common denominator. Solomon said, where there's no revelation, the people cast off restraint. Man, that's so true. And what does that mean? I think there's a saying that can kind of explain that. When the cat's away, the mice will play, right? Parents, when you're not at your house and you tell your kids to keep it nice and neat, husbands, when your wife's out of town and she says, make sure you clean the house up, how, when do you normally do that? I, let me tell you, when, when my wife is gone, I, I don't do anything. It is a mess, but whenever the day I know she's coming home, I am in there working like a like a busy bee cleaning that house up. You know, when the cat's away, the mice will play. Man, Solomon knew this. When we ignore when we ignore the voice of God, we cast off restraint. The King James version of the Bible for this verse it says, "Where there is no vision, the people perish." I think that's a great a great picture of what happens when we don't submit ourselves to the leadership. Of God, Jesus said he came here to bring us life. And if we don't follow the one who brings us life, we will follow the exact opposite. And that is to follow the one who will bring us death. Now, I'm not saying that if you if you are disobedient to God, that you immediately will drop dead. Although there are examples of that in Scripture. But I do believe that what happens for many of us is as we come to the end of our lives, we look back and we begin to realize how empty we are. We begin to realize all the opportunities that we've missed out on. And we look back and, and our lives have, have emptiness and meaninglessness in them. Because we've missed out on what's best for us. You know, this church has, has come a long ways, obviously, in 200 years. You have a great history. Now, a real danger that could happen for you is that you say, God, thank you so much for bringing us this far, but we got it from here on out. Because if we do that, then we miss out on the direction God wants to give for the future. You see, anytime, anytime we, we remove God from the equation, then, then we don't get to see the best for our lives and for the church. I don't know about you. I don't like missing out on things. You know, people, somebody has a good time. I think, man, I wish I was there. You know, I don't want to miss out on that. There's a story about a man named Arthur, and he went for a ride out into the country. You might be familiar with the story, but he went out for a ride in the country with Walter. And they're 25 miles off the interstate in California, and he pulled up to a pasture, and he said, Arthur, I want you to get this land right here. He said, I'm going to build a park over here. And he said, this land right here is going to skyrocket in value. You're going to be able to put restaurants here, hotels here. It's going to be unbelievable. Arthur sat there and listened to him, and he said, in my mind, I was thinking, who's going to drive 25 miles out into the country in order to come to this place? And so very nicely, he refused the offer. Now, later on, Arthur, who was Art Linkletter, said it was the worst business decision he'd ever made in his life because Walter was Walt Disney. And he was building Disneyland, the most successful theme park that there's ever been. Man, I don't like missing out on stuff. I don't want to be the next Art Linkletter with Disneyland. I want to receive, and I want to see you receive, and my church receive, the blessings that God has in store for us. Now, what kind of direction does God give us so that we can see those things happen, so we can see ourselves make an impact in Columbia and in South Carolina, throughout the nation? 
Well, Jesus gives us our directions very simply in Matthew 28, 19, and 20. He says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Now, how do we achieve that direction? It begins with me and you praying. Talking to God, saying, God, use me as a vessel and as a tool for you. God, help me to have my eyes open to my neighbors and my co-workers so that I can pray for them, so that I can invite them into the church. So we can see their lives transformed and changed. Following God's direction, it brings life. It brings direction. And the last thing I want you to see is that following God's plans for your life, it brings blessing. It really does. Following God's direction for your life brings blessing. In verse number 18, it says, Where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint. But blessed is he who keeps the law. King Solomon tells us very simply. He says, Blessed is he who keeps the law. The word blessed there is another word that you could use for happy. So what Solomon is telling us, if you you follow after God's leadership, you can discover joy in your life. Why? Contrary to popular belief, God has not given us guidelines to live by in order to stifle us and make our lives miserable. He's done it in order to protect us. Now, the law of God is found in the first five books of the Bible. It's called the Torah. Now, the great thing about it is if you're not a big reader, Jesus really just broke it down even more. He said, the law of God, I can summarize it for you. Matthew 22, 37 through 40. This is, this is the heart of the law of God. He said it is to love God and it is to love people. Now, if we keep that law, then Solomon teaches us that we will be blessed. All right, First Baptists, Christians... If we're going to experience the blessings of God, it comes down to us being obedient to the leadership of God and loving God and loving people. Does that seem hard? I mean, it depends on who you're talking about. It can seem hard. But it's two real simple things. Love God, love people. Jesus said in John 14, 23 through 24, If anyone loves me, He will obey my teaching. My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. Now, there is a requirement for us to receive the blessings of God. And that requirement for you and for me is to be obedient to the leadership of God. Blessings will come when we are obedient to God's leadership. Now, God isn't going to call us to seek after Him and then not bless us. Anytime you seek after God, you will find blessing. You will find reward. Now, it's a, it's a leap of faith. And I'll be honest with you, it is, it is a leap of faith to be obedient to the leadership of God. Because there's times when He's going to call you to do things that are hard. You know, like love your enemies. That's right there in the big one, isn't it? That's a lot of fun. But that's a, that's a command that comes from God. It's a leap of faith, but when we do it, we receive blessings. I read a story about a man who was willing to take a leap of faith, take a risk. 
Following God is a risk, but when you, when you take the risk, it's worth it. This guy's name was Ray Blankenship. He lived in Ohio. He was in his kitchen eating breakfast, looked out the back window. There had been a ton of rain in his Ohio, in Ohio town of Andover. And he says he looked in the ditch in the back of the yard. He said it was just a flood. It was just a river. As he was eating breakfast, he saw a girl tumbling head over heels in the ditch in his backyard. He knew that that ditch emptied out about a block later into a major culvert where he knew the girl, there's no way she'd survive. She'd get washed under and she'd drown. Ray Blankenship took a leap of faith. He threw down his breakfast, ran outside, ran ahead of the girl, jumped into the water. The girl came to him. He was able to grab onto her, and then they both were going head over heels down that ditch. Neighbors were screaming. They were calling for help. Ray said that he was reaching out, trying to grab anything. They got three feet from the edge of that culvert, and he grabbed onto a rock and hung on. Hanging onto that girl, after a couple of minutes, he was able to pull her out of the water and save her life. Uh, really neat story because the Coast Guard ended up giving him a medal of a, med- a life-saving medal for putting his life at risk in order to save the life of somebody else. Now, what's interesting about the story is that that he put his life that it was more at risk than anybody realized, and here's the reason why: it's because Ray Blankenship did not know how to swim. Isn't that a neat story? I read this story. That's a neat story, and I thought it, it illustrated well. It was a guy who was willing to take a leap of faith. Even when it was scary, because of the possible reward, it was to save that girl's life. Now, with that in mind, let me ask you a question. I will close with a question or two. Can you sense God? Can you sense God leading you and calling you to serve in a particular area of life? For others of you, have you sensed God calling you to be a part, to invest more of your life in the work and the mission of First Baptist so that you can see Columbia impacted for Christ? Do you sense that kind of a calling in your life? Has there been a time in your life when you were willing to say, okay, Jesus, there's a lot of things in this life that scare me because I'm a pretty cautious person, but you know what? With you, I'm going to jump in. And take a leap of faith and demonstrate to you, Jesus, that I am all in for you. Now, I know that's a scary step of faith, but let me tell you something. It is worth it. And I've learned this firsthand. It's worth it because whenever you leap in with God, God's never going to take you down a path. He's not ever going to say, hey, jump in with me and then just leave you all alone. You jump in with God. His path does not lead to destruction. It leads to joy. It leads to blessing. In Romans, or excuse me, in Proverbs 8, 32 through 35, it says, Now then, my sons, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Listen to my instruction and be wise. Do not ignore it. Blessed is the man who listens to me, watching daily at my doors, waiting at my doorway. For whoever finds me finds, what's say? It says he finds life and receives favor from the Lord. You know, for 200 years, this church has made a difference. Think about it. Thousands and thousands of people have come to the doors of this church and have left here with their lives altered for an eternity because they came into contact with Jesus. That all happened because there was a group of people that were willing to take a leap of faith. 
Guys, you have a great history. Hundreds and hundreds of people have come through this church and have gone into ministry and have pastored churches and have gone on the mission field because of the fervent prayers of people like you. I am a testimony of one of those people. It's because of you and what you've done. First Baptist, 200 years, have been greatly intertwined with Columbia and with South Carolina. But today, you are laying the foundation, whether you realize it or not, you are laying the foundation for the next 200 years. For the next 200 years. What's going to happen in the next 200 years? Because of what you do now. You're laying a foundation. And for us to see the blessings of God, for you to see the blessings of God, there has to come a time when we lay ourselves down before God and we say, God, not our will, but yours be done. God, if you call me to jump and take a scary step of faith, Lord, I will do it. Because I want your will to be done, not mine. Following God's plan for our lives for First Baptist, it brings life, it brings direction, and it brings blessing. I want to tell you, thank you for being a people of faith, because you have impacted my life. And today you are impacting the lives of people in Northeast Columbia. But that is not the end. You have more to do. You have more to do because God has a plan for you. Now, for some of you, it could be that it's time for you to place yourself at the feet of Jesus. And to simply tell Him, Jesus, I am ready to commit my life to you. I'm all in. I want to follow you. Now, if that's you, what I'd like for us to do is we just close out the service. And I'd just like for you to bow your head and to close your eyes. And for those of you who say, I am ready... So take that step of faith. I am ready to follow the leadership of my God. Then I want to encourage you simply to pray this prayer silently to the Lord. Or something like it. Just simply pray something like it. Jesus, I am ready to give myself to you. I know I've sinned against you, God. And I pray for your forgiveness. I trust and I believe that you have died on a cross for me and that you conquered death that I might live. And because of that today, Jesus, I ask you to save me. To transform my life. Because I want my life to be all about the best because you have charge of it. Their heads bowed and their eyes still closed. If you, if you prayed that prayer... I want to encourage you to do something. We're going to have some staff members I know and some counselors up front. And I'd like for you to walk to them whenever we stand and sing. And you just simply tell them, I have prayed to receive Jesus today. And they'll be happy to share with you how you can grow in a walk with Christ. Others of you may may be looking for a great church to plug into. It could be that for a good while, you've been sensing God. You've been sensing God leading you to plug into this church. I I want to challenge you today to stand up in a few moments when we sing and you come forward. 
you tell one of these counselors, tell them I am ready to be a part of this team because I want to make a difference and be a part of the work of God here. Heavenly Father, I thank you for what you're going to do. I thank you, Jesus, that you have a plan for our lives. God, I thank you for so many obedient people that have come to this church who've been able to transform and touch Columbia because of their trust in you. And Lord, I pray that you will continue to raise up new leaders and new people in this church who have the same vision and the same heart to see the power of God transform Columbia and beyond. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let us stand for our hymn of invitation. As God deals with you, I want to encourage you to come forward.